Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. Struggle Creates Strength is a mental health platform exemplifying that everyone has a story. I always say that no two stories are the same, but every story has the potential to help someone else. On today's episode, we are joined by 24-year-old Katie McDonald. She has a story that I personally related to and I'm sure a bunch of others will relate to as well. She talks a lot about concussions, sexual abuse, and a life full of bullying. Her bullying got to a point where she had to move around from town to town, but now she's here being strong, being vulnerable, and sharing her story to hopefully help others. She has a saying that she wants to share her story because if she helps at least one person, then that's more than enough, and she wants to help as many people as possible. I hope everyone enjoys her story, and just so everyone knows, this podcast is sponsored by Raincoast Clothing. Raincoast Clothing is a clothing company based out of Vancouver Island, Canada. They represent nature by embracing adventure, spontaneity, and health, both physical and mental. They have recently decided to join my mental health movement and donate 5% of profits from every item of clothing towards mental health awareness. Also, we have collaborated and created a Struggle Create Strength t-shirt which has 100% of profits going towards mental health awareness. Go to strugglecreatestrength.com and help support mental health while getting yourself some great clothes. Now I hope everyone enjoys Katie McDonald's podcast and realizes that everyone has a story. Oh, you're muted. <laughs> there we are. Good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast, obviously. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I love having people reach out and just obviously being vulnerable enough and open enough to share their story. It's always amazing and I'm always very honored. And when you reached out to me, I know you reached out to me a couple times and for me, this is a special one because I think you are the first person that kind of, or that it followed what I'm exactly trying to do. And that is obviously have people listen and hopefully gain the courage to eventually share their story. And you are the first one to reach out and prove that point. So it's amazing. And I'm so honored to have you on today. Definitely. I really appreciate you having me on as well. I'm really excited about this. So. That's awesome. No, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so honestly, we might as well. I know with every single um, podcast, I basically started off by having them, having the people actually just jump right into their story. And I'm curious if you would mm-hmm. want to just share your story and kind of get into some of those deep depths of who you are and what makes you who you are. Yeah, for sure. Um, I grew up in the small town of Merritt. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up playing hockey and everything, but by the age of 13, I had two stoppings that it had so many concussions that they wouldn't allow me to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of when my mental health started slowly going downhill because I wasn't able to go on the ice and wasn't able to play with my friends and everything and struggling in school and just struggling socially, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I've been around hockey my literally my entire life. Like, my parents took me to my first BCHL game when I was only a month old. Um, and then, yeah, just hockey was kind of, like, my first love and everything. And I just, mm-hmm. I felt lost without it because I wasn't able to play. Um, and then going into high school, too, it just not having hockey didn't really help a whole bunch. And then I had um, a few issues with, um, a couple of the junior hockey players that went to my the high school in Merritt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it caused a lot of issues between uh, my friends at the time that really liked this player. And he really, um, 
I guess like he liked me, but I didn't like I was only a freshman in high school, so I didn't really care for all of that. Yeah. Like, I just focused on wanting to go over the games and the sport and everything, and mm-hmm. it yeah just caused a lot of things. And I ended up getting bullied really bad because of it. Um, and it just like it just got a lot worse mm-hmm. um, to the point where I actually refused to go to school and I wouldn't tell my mom why. And like I love my mom so much. Like she did, she has done so much for me. She was a single mom, um, raising me and my two siblings from when I was nine because that's when my parents divorced. And my dad helped out a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, they like drove me to practices and my games and everything. Supported me a hundred percent. But my mom really was my rock when everything went down. And it took me, like, I want to say a year and a half before I finally told her what was going on in school and everything and why I wasn't wanting to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got to that point where the girls were absolutely horrible to me. They were saying like the most horrible things and that I shouldn't be around anymore or anything. So that really, really made my mental health a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I finally told her, we brought it to the school's attention and the principal had actually pulled us into a meeting and said he thought it would be better for me not to come to school at all. What the? So, yeah. <laughs> so I was the one being and like bullied and everything, and the school had a no bullying tolerance or anything, mm-hmm. but he wouldn't do anything about it and said I wasn't allowed to go to school there because of what was happening to me. Hmm. That is so, so bizarre. And then, yeah, and then we finally had another meeting with him going into what would have been my grade 10 year. Um, then he said he was allowing me to go to school for one class a day and that was it. And if I wasn't in that class and I wasn't allowed on school property. So yeah, <laughs> it got to the point. Yeah, I know. Right. Like it just, it's, it just blows my mind that he was able to do that to a student, especially mm-hmm. being a high school principal, you would think that, he would be behind the person who's getting bullied and actually help come up with a solution for it. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah. How do you how do you find that like bullying in a whole actually affects obviously how it affected you, but as well as mm-hmm. just everyone? Because I think one of the biggest things that happens, and I know I've seen it firsthand, I've had it done to me firsthand is bullying and especially going through those those younger ages where you're transitioning and you're starting to become an adult but you're not quite there yet how do you think that whole thing kind of um affects people as like they're getting older and obviously going through those ages Um, i honestly think it like affects people so much like i've seen like not just because of me like i've seen my brother go through bullying with hockey and everything like he the last few years he's had a couple teammates being absolutely horrible and like they've said a horrible things to him off the ice in the dressing room the coaches won't do anything about it and i honestly think that like bullying needs to be addressed because it is a big thing mm-hmm. and there's a lot of parents and teachers and people that you're supposed to be able to talk to about it that turn a blind eye on it because they don't mm-hmm. want help mm-hmm. which really sucks because when it takes a lot of courage for someone to admit that they're being bullied and that they need help mm-hmm. no totally how did how did you end up like coping with it or did you ever even cope with it um i didn't really cope with it until 
my what would have been my second year of grade 11 um, after I had moved from Merritt to Vermilion, which is a really small town in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when we actually ended up moving because the bullying got so bad. And it got to the point, too, where, like, I used to love going to the hockey games because, like I said before, hockey was, like, my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got so bad to the point where I wouldn't go to the games because I knew the girls would be there. And it was just as bad at the hockey rink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we ended up moving. Yeah, so my grade, second year grade 11, I just redid so I was able to graduate. Yeah. Um, we ended up moving to Alberta just to get away from the bullying and everything. Wow. And then after I graduated, um, I bounced around a lot. Like, that's what I found. I actually, like, coped with everything was I would just move if I had a problem show up. Like, I spent, after graduation, I spent two months over in Grand Prairie trying to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had um, a really bad knee injury. Um I had actually like come home for a reading break and dislocated my knee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was off of school for a month and a half before I finally went back up there mm-hmm. and then ended up leaving there and then went to move to Chilliwack for three months, had an issue show up there because um, I was actually assaulted by one of my family members, best friends. Wow. Um, who I considered an uncle growing up. And I actually mm-hmm. like kept that to myself for over a year before I told my parents, like my family, because I didn't mm-hmm. know how to bring it up because mm-hmm. the guy that did it was, like I said, I grew up calling him an uncle. Mm-hmm. So it just, that's what really kind of made my mental health too go a lot worse than what it was. Cause mm-hmm. I was, I thought I was getting better. And then once that happened, I just kind of, shut down and didn't talk to anybody. I barely talked to my family and I just started partying and everything to cope with it. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. How, how, sorry, how old were you when all of that happened? Like when you were sexually assaulted? Um, I was 19. 19. Yeah. I was almost 20. Yeah. That is no, I'm Yeah. yeah, that's, that's crazy. And I know that, We've had a couple people on here that have talked about themselves being sexually assaulted or assaulted in some form. And I know I've had several conversations with people talking about um, that exact same thing as just being sexually assaulted. And one of the biggest things I think that they all touch on is how difficult it is to speak about it. And because there's a lot of times, and I think this is like a big misconception, or what is the word? Um, a misconception (laughs) I think so (laughs) um no but I think the way that just it gets conceived is because so many people they speak up about it and then you see it everywhere where they like a girl speaks up about being sexually assaulted and then it automatically goes to guys talking about oh well she was wearing this oh well this is like the tone that I was getting or the it would seem like a mood and it's like, no, like you don't yeah, understand. Exactly. Like you need to obviously understand where, like what's happening and how it actually affected them. And that's what, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's such, it's such a touchy subject. And obviously there's a lot of girls that hold that within because they don't want to 
they don't want to express that publicly and they because they're scared of the backlash they're scared of the negativity and that's the sad part is because you can't speak willingly right did you did you after it happened and i told my family about it Mm -hmm. my dad actually went and told my uncle who was good friends with a with a guy and i actually like lost family because of it because they thought it was my fault or i was making it up and it's just yeah it was horrible yeah and yeah and just again like that is so wrong and that's why it's so sad and something like that especially when it's something involved in your family is because it like there's no easy way to go about it because it's automatically it's automatically damaging relationships and that's the tough part right um when when you were going through that though did you have um a certain support system or a place that you could run to for help um, well, after, for the first year, I didn't have anybody because I didn't know how to bring it up or how to tell anyone. But after I had told my family, um, my mom was my biggest supporter. Like she helped me through it a lot. And so did my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother was a lot younger because he's seven years younger than me. Um, but my sister and my mom were like my biggest rocks. Mm-hmm. They helped me through so much. And when I would have like bad panic attacks or anxiety attacks or anything, they were there with me. And then after that, I just moved back to Merritt um, and I was living with my dad um, and I just threw myself into partying and everything. And then that's how I coped with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like so. that, <laughs> I relate to that so much because for myself um, in times, I mean, not all the time, but definitely in some of my darker times, that's exactly what I did as well. I resorted straight to partying and going out and just drinking an absurd amount. I mean, I'm, I almost consider myself a fortunate one because there's a lot of people that almost resort to doing drugs and falling down like an even deeper or steeper path. But, um, no, I think that's such a common thing is people cope with alcohol and it's, I know I've said it before, but you almost you gain a lot of that knowledge from movies and you see it happen in movies all the time and it's it's super mm-hmm. sad but it's true and that's just the way that it is sometimes and yeah i don't oh yeah but um i guess another question that i have is have you ever seeked um or do you still even seek professional help for any of your mental health struggles I do, yeah. Um, back when everything was happening, when I was a freshman in high school, um, I was actually seeing a therapist twice a twice a week, mm-hmm. and talking with her about everything really helped. Um, even today, um, like I don't have anyone here in Penticton just because I haven't found the right therapist to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have um, my former therapist on Facebook, so anytime I have like a bad day or anything, I can just send her a message and she'll help me through it or mm-hmm. um even now like with my anxiety because I still have really bad mental health days and everything mm-hmm. um my husband he's actually helped me through a lot of it um mm-hmm. he's like lately he's been my biggest supporter in the last two and a half years we've been together mm-hmm. um but yeah like he's just and then with therapists and everything it's nice to have um that help just because if you don't have that 
Um, like for me, it's just, if I don't have that person, that's like a professional person to help. Um, some days it just feels like I'm a burden, just putting mm. all of my problems and like venting to someone else about it. And I just, mm. it just makes me anxious. Yeah. And I, 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 this is why I love this. Cause I relate to that so much, <laughs> like so much with any of my friends. It doesn't matter who they are, how close I am to them. That's literally always what happens is I'll have something that's, that I feel I need to get off my chest. I need to vent. I need to just almost scream and just let all my emotions out. But at the same time, it gives me anxiety because I'll be sitting there next to the person and I'll be like, Oh, I really want to just, I just want to let it all out. But at the same time, yeah. what if, what if they don't hear me properly? What if they just don't listen? What if they don't respond in the right way or the way that I'm seeking response? And that's, that's the tough part. And that's why I personally love going to see a professional is because they're paid to sit there and listen to you and they will, yeah, and exactly. you can relate to them and, they always have good advice and they know how to deal with things. And that's why, yeah, like I always encourage everyone to go seek professional help because I personally find it so beneficial. Um, but at the same time, not everyone does like it. And some people do have those uh, support systems that they can actually reach out to that are their friends and their friends will listen and they'll be just totally yeah, exactly. open to it. Right. So yeah, everyone's different, yeah. but um Speaking yeah. on the topic of your, like you said that you, with your new husband, which congratulations, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> of course. No, that was, that was super exciting to see. Um, but on that topic with how you said um, for the past like two and a half years that you've been together, he's been your rock. And how important <laughs> do you think that is when seeking a life partner and somebody that you are going to be committed to for life, how important do you think it is that you can obviously be open and put some of this weight that you might be holding or some of the anxiety and just be able to express it all? Um, I honestly think it's really important. Like before I met him, um, I was in a really bad relationship where the guy just it was all about him. If I was having a bad mental health day, he just completely ignored me, shut his phone off. Like I wouldn't hear from him for days or anything, or he mm -hmm. would just leave. And it was just, it was really bad. So having um, like a really good significant other really is important because when you have a bad day, they're there for you and they know how to help you get through it. Mm -hmm. um, and with him too, like he's, like in the same boat as us, like he has really bad anxiety. He has PTSD, everything like that. Mm -hmm. So we're like, we've really been each other's rocks in the last two and a half years where mm -hmm. if he's having a bad day, I'll help him through it. Or if I'm having a bad day, he'll help me through it. And it's, it's nice because when we were, like, we have a lot more good days than we do bad days. And we've noticed how much it's gotten better mm -hmm. since we've been together. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's really really important in my opinion mm -hmm. um especially if like if your partner has the same kind of things with you then they understand what what you're going through mm -hmm. and they know how to help you cope with it and get through it mm -hmm. yeah i think that's one of the hardest things that i've found for myself anyways is just and it maybe 
whether it be like a life partner or just a friend, it's one of the hardest things that I find is having somebody that understands and has either been through it or just totally gets it because there's a lot of times when I know for myself anyways, and I've, especially this week, I've noticed that there's just times when I'll just, I'll be really happy one minute and then the next I'm like, all right, okay, like I'm going straight down a downward spiral into the ground and Mm -hmm. it's tough because the people around you don't always understand and they don't get it and they don't know what that's like. And so it's really hard to feel supported and feel confident in yourself while you're still going down. And I know that's having that person that understands and will pick you back up or at least support you or help you through it. That's definitely the most important thing. And I think anybody that's willing to support you and just talk to you, allow you to talk to them. That's like, it goes so far and such a far, like such a long way. Yeah. Even then, like with, with him too, um, besides him, I also have like Chase Johnson, who's the broadcaster for the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Um, Chase and I have been friends for five years now and he's more like a big brother to me, the more that we've gotten to know each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and he actually like got me back into the BCHL after I had left Surrey in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, he had brought me on to do like the stats and everything when mm-hmm. when they were needed to be done, which is really nice because that's also helped with my mental health a lot. Is because I can't play hockey anymore, I can actually mm-hmm. still be around the sport, which is a huge thing for my mental health because. Like I said in the beginning, like hockey was always my everything, and I just mm-hmm. I felt lost without it. So being able to go to the rink and watch the the teams playing everything and just working with the league mm-hmm. um, has really helped Definitely. too. So yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I know Chase is such an awesome guy, and uh, yeah, if he's he listening is. to this, hi Chase, it's great to talk to you again. Um, no, but that's, no, that's amazing. And that's so important that even after, even after it kind of ends, after your dream ends, um, that you're still able to obviously be around it and be involved in the sport in some way. Um, but touching back on that and how you couldn't play anymore, how does that truly affect someone when you have to give up basically the, your dream, the love of your life? Yeah, <laughs> um, it hurts, honestly, like, I'll be completely honest, it, like, it was a horrible feeling knowing that I wasn't able to be on the team or more, be able to play with my friends or anything, and just, because every time I stepped on the ice, all my issues just went away, like, I just forgot everything for the next, like, two and a half hours and everything, and it just, it really just brought me down a lot and I just felt myself falling and I wasn't able to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like for myself, I've had a few concussions as well and, um, and <laughs> several other injuries for that matter. But, um, one of the biggest things that I always found was the time when you're not, um, like the times when you're off because of injury. And I found those times, especially one of my worst times when I was in Calgary. And if 
I know you've listened to my story, but um, when I was in Calgary and I had my concussion, I was out for three months. That was one of the worst mental moments of my life. And it's just because people don't realize how detrimental concussions truly are and what they can do to your mental health. And because obviously everyone thinks about, oh yeah, you need to, oh, sensitive to light and sensitive to sound, but it's like, those aren't the only two things. It You having to isolate and take yourself out of social settings for a long time, that mm-hmm. can truly damage a person's mental health in more ways than people understand. And for yourself, did you ever find that when you were going through some of your concussions? Yeah, I found that a lot, um, especially after my last, I guess, serious one. Um, that would have been back in like when I was grade 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't allowed to be on my phone. I had to stay in a dark room, wasn't allowed TV, nothing like that, no noise, no light. So it was a very dark time for me because I wasn't able to socialize with anyone and I wasn't mm-hmm. allowed to leave the house, wasn't allowed to watch TV. Um, yeah, the only time I could really leave the room was to go to the washroom or shower or anything like that. I wasn't allowed to go down to the kitchen, wasn't allowed to make food. Um, yeah, it just wasn't a fun time. Yeah. And it just really brought me down a lot more, too, because I wasn't able to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and that's, yeah, people just don't fully, or not everyone fully understands how tough that is. And because... And I, especially nowadays, because everyone's so focused in on their phones, but when you have a concussion, you're supposed to stay away from blue light and you're supposed to stay off any electronic devices. And I know one of my things that I did when I was uh, going through one of my concussions was I listened to a morning talk show and that was the most, that's when I was like, (laughs) I never want to have a concussion again because this is, this is just too much. And I mean, it was it was good. It was like a little comedy talk show, but at the same time, listening to that versus being at the rink with my friends and socializing, because myself, I'm a big social person and I love socializing and it's so important and it sucks when you can't. And it it's it really, it's really tough. It's really tough when, especially going through a concussion. Um, yeah, I've had... 18 of them, so I haven't really... 18. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is... 18. So how old were you when you first, like, got your very first one? I was four. Four. Was and then four. all the way through until 13? Is that what you said? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, all the way up until I was 13. Did you ever find that that affected your, like, learning? Uh, it did. I had issues um, when I was younger learning how to read. That mm-hmm. was the biggest thing for me. Even today, like I have to, um, because I'm in school right now for paralegal. Yeah. Um, I have to be able to have like the teacher talking to me, but I have to be able to write it down at the same time just so I can comprehend it. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I don't have that, then I'm not, I don't understand what she's talking about or what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that's tough. I know that, um, a lot of people, even myself after the concussions, it can get frustrating because you, some things are really, um, are really noticeable. And for myself anyways, I kept, and even to this day, I still notice it 
a decent amount, not as much as I was before, but um, one thing that I notice is that I always lose train of thought and I'll be talking, having conversations and all of a sudden I'll forget what I'm talking about and then I just sit there in silence for a second and then just start saying um, like, and it's just bad. And I even sometimes I get it on the podcast where I'll have something in my mind that I want to ask and then I'll be sitting there and then all of a sudden when the time's about to come up where I need to speak, I just forget what I'm about to say. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to, I got to figure this out. It's, it's, yeah. 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 But that's. Yeah, I'm the same yeah. way. I like, I texted my siblings about that. I was like, so I'm going to be like on the podcast and everything talking about my story. And my sister's like, make sure you like stay on track. Cause <laughs> I tend to like do the same thing and then lose the, like my train of thought. And I'm like, hey, what was I going to say? I don't remember. Yeah. That and it's the migraines. I wake up with a headache every single yeah. day. Yeah. I. I'm not going to lie, I have a migraine right now, and I think part of it is definitely from the concussions. Um, One thing that I kind of did want to ask you about, though, is having to give up hockey, that's obviously something that takes up a lot of time in your life, and some people look at it as a hobby. And one of the biggest things that can be used as a coping mechanism is hobbies, because it takes your mind completely off what you're doing, or completely off of all your mental health struggles and you focus on exactly what you're doing. Have you been able to find some sort of hobby or something that you pick up now? Um, I try to go to the gym a lot mm-hmm. just to keep myself in shape and then try to keep like my mind healthy. Yeah. Um, because if it's not healthy, then it's, I'm going to have more bad days than good. And I really don't want that. Exactly. No, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I think a lot of people, I know for different reasons, but a lot of people love to resort to the gym because they find it's a way to, to basically push out all emotions and leave it all out and on the gym floor and walk away just feeling good, feeling satisfied. Um, I know one of my first ones was Eric Wright and he talked about how he would go to the gym anytime he was like the worst that he was feeling the harder he would work at the gym and for me anyways that's super inspiring because I think Mm -hmm. using something healthy to basically drown out the negative or the unhealthy things unhealthy thoughts that's such a positive and it's very inspiring um one question that I do have for you though is as you were going through your mental health struggles um, and for people that are going through mental health struggles, what's one tip of advice that you could kind of give someone and maybe you, you've, you've used it as well, but what would be one tip of advice? Um, ask for help, whether you really want it or not. Um, just ask someone, if, whether someone you trust or someone who works at field of study or anything, mm-hmm. um, just ask for it um because i find that once you ask for help then you actually have a lot more people behind you than what you originally thought Mm -hmm. um it'll really help like your support system and everything is great to have Mm -hmm. um if you have a really good support system lean on them if you need to Mm -hmm. did one question (laughs) just a question off of that is did you were you able to seek help right when it happened or did it take you some time 
Um, it took me a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I did, it was great. Like it helped me so much and it helped slowly build up my mental health and like help me feel better. Mm-hmm. That I was actually like having someone to talk to you about everything and I wasn't keeping everything bottled up inside because when you keep everything bottled up inside, you're going to break. And when you break, it's not, it's not a good feeling. No. I've done that a couple of times and it's one of the worst feelings you can feel. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know I even, I track that with myself too, is I almost have like what I like to call a little meter. And as my anxiety rises, I know that that's when I, or like something bad happens in my life. That's when I need to reach out and talk to someone because once I start letting it all bottle up inside and it starts going up that meter, that's when I know I'm about to lose my mind and I'm going to just crumble and because it happens and it happens to a lot of people and it's not the end of the world, but I know for myself, I hate that feeling and I hate feeling so down for a period of time because it's not fun and it's not fun to be around me when I'm like that. And I realize (laughs) that, which is good. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, another quick question that I have is, uh, how have you found school with mental health and just with even with your concussions and because you talk about how you need to write things down to comprehend how have you actually found that um, in terms of what it does to your like your mental health? Um, some days it can be a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I'm having a bad day, it's definitely a struggle. But I do have a good support like group in class um, where I know if I'm having a really bad day or if I'm just not feeling myself or anything like that, I can lean on my, like my teacher for help or any of my classmates. Um, I've had to do that a few times since I started in September um, and they're really understanding and it's nice because like, I know I can email my teacher any time of the day to respond and help or I can text any of my classmates mm-hmm. and I actually have a few classmates that live in West Kelowna and Kelowna. Mm-hmm. So if I need to like go see them for coffee and just talk about things, I'm able to do that. So I'm super lucky and super thankful that I have them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so important. Um, one of our last things before we kind of wrap it up is, I know I asked you this before, but what is kind of a quote that might shape your life has shaped your life just in uh influences your life in some form or another um so one of the quotes that i like really enjoy that's really helped me um with my mental health and everything and just help me help people that are having mental health issues um mm-hmm. it's actually from emily cave who's colby cave's wife mm-hmm. um it's be someone who makes someone feel or sorry it's (laughs) it's um be someone who makes um everyone feel like a someone yeah that's so it's really i really enjoy it so yeah no that's awesome and i think that's so important just in the terms of you never know what someone's going through and it even resorts back to my motto like everyone has a story and it's just, it's so true. And you might stumble into somebody on the side of the street and they might seem like the happiest person in the world, but you never know what they're going through. And 
you might run into somebody that is super down and very open about it. And it's so important to make them feel like they are worth something because I personally believe everyone is worth something. And I know that you didn't say that little quote for no reason. You definitely believe that as well. So that's, no, that's amazing for sharing. So thank you. Yeah. Um, and if somebody does want to reach out to you and actually either support you, talk to you, relate to you, where could they reach you at? Um, probably my Instagram is the best. It's Katie McDonald with an underscore in front of Katie. Okay. Yeah. And I will definitely link that to everything <laughs> and make sure that obviously tag you in all of the posts, but Honestly, thank you so much for coming on. You've like, I've related and I've said it throughout the whole entire podcast. Like I relate so much to some of your story and I'm sure so many other people will as well. And obviously every single person that comes on, I truly can't thank enough because you're what makes this possible and being vulnerable, being open, being, oh, excuse me. being 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 open being vulnerable being transparent with your mental health struggles and just some of the things that you've gone through in your life is very moving and very inspiring and i just i can't thank you enough so as much as like i say i can't yeah no i really appreciate you having me on and letting me be able to like tell my story and I really hope that I can help someone and if anyone needs help they're more than welcome to message me on Instagram or anything my DMs are always open that's awesome well thank you so much and I'm sure that we'll have to connect here soon and like because we are so so close uh to each other and we'll just have to get together connect talk about some of these mental struggles that we've encountered share our story a little bit in deeper depths but and maybe even have you on the podcast again so yeah for sure that that sounds great awesome okay well thank you very much for coming on and i'm sure i'll uh talk to you again soon sounds good thank you okay talk to you later bye bye thanks so much for listening to another episode of struggle creates strength i hope everyone enjoyed katie's story and i hope that you could gain some insight on how to better your own mental health If you want to reach me or come on the podcast, you're more than welcome to at Struggle Creates Strength on both Instagram and Facebook. Or you can also reach me on my website at strugglecreatesstrength.com. Be sure to go show Katie the support that she deserves because it's never easy to be vulnerable and share your story. I hope everyone enjoyed and just remember that everyone has a story.